0: He tokens been applied, he's cleaning from inside in the dust.
1: So glad that he's made such a preparation for us. Amen. Brother Jim, Sister Linda, God bless you. Glad to have you all back in service with us tonight. Amen. Revelation chapter 21. Now, I feel that I probably should give a little bit of a warning before I preach the service tonight. And tomorrow. Um, These services might make you rather homesick. They might make you feel very sad that you're not going to be where I'm preaching about. It might make you feel somewhat that you wish this life could hurry up and end so you could go to this place. Just a few side effects. Amen. <laughs> Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Just what we sing about, the evening light has come. Isn't it amazing that John, when he sees her, and when we jump on down a little bit, Later in the service, you'll see even more of a parallel of it, but he said, "I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. How many would like to be remembered tonight in prayer? We've got several folks at sick, several in the hospital. We certainly want to remember them. I'm sure brother louis has, has made the request known, but Studying this today and this week in preparation coming up to this, I thought, what a parallel, what a paradox, what a contrast between where we are and where we are going. We need God's grace to help us. Certainly. That's right. But we believe he's mindful of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your great bountiful mercy that you've given to us, Lord Jesus. You've been so kind to us all. We want you to know that we appreciate it. Lord Jesus, we know that there is nothing we could ever do that would make ourselves worthy of your grace. If we were just saved in this life and there was no heaven to go to, But yet, you delivered us from a sinful life and a sinful nature and helped us and delivered us from Satan. Salvation would be a great thing if that's all it curtailed. But yet, to think this is the shortest time that we will experience your grace. To think of this blessed place that we are preparing to enter into. Lord, it won't be a week, it won't be a month. Most of us have took vacation days or weeks or times and there's an element about vacation that we enjoy and I guess if we've already enjoyed the vacation, we kind of hate for it to come to an end and in some ways, depending on where we are, we're kind of glad when it does come to an end, but to think about going to such a place, Lord God, that no one will ever want to go anywhere else. Lord, we need your help tonight and tomorrow. Because what we're going to read about, it's almost like a fairy tale. To the world, it would be just a story fabricated in religious people's minds. Oh, but to us, it's our future. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us tonight. Help us, Lord God. May we, as your people be opened to enter into the baptism of the Holy Ghost so it will lead us into the great eternal. Grant it, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How can I define a perfect kingdom? In reality, we have known Very few things that are perfect. You've never heard a perfect sermon from any preacher. You've never actually lived a perfect day in your life. You've never had a perfect job. You get it and then all of a sudden they hire somebody right beside you and they turn it into hell on earth. What we call perfect marriages, oh, yeah, there's just a side of them marriages that you'd only know part of, though, you see. Perfect children, yeah, right, I thought I had two as well. Perfect grandchildren, sure, we all know that. But in reality, when you think about what is perfect, what do we really know that is perfect? Very little. Our God is perfect. His kingdom is perfect. His way, His Word, so on and so on and so on. But so little of what we deal with every day of our life. Think about it. Your clothes, your house, our church building, your car, where you live, where you're going. You may go to your favorite place to eat and they do it right for six or seven times in a row. And you go back the eighth time and it's trash. And you say, I'll never come back here again. Why did I even come here you know, we just growl and fuss and you know how we are as humans. But think of it, how much of perfection do we really know? Even with our walk with God. And as much as we love Him, as much as we want to serve Him, yet every one of our walks are flawed. Every one of our, us in our ability to worship Him and our love it is so affected by our humanity. Our ability to surrender, which of course involves the power of God in our lives and how it manifests itself by the way we surrender. Even that is flawed. So we don't have a perfect church. As you already know, you don't have a perfect pastor. You can say amen. I don't have one perfect sheep. Amen. We don't have one perfect deacon, not one perfect trustee. We don't have one perfect musician. Come on now, saints. This is why we should all feel at home with one another. Now, I realize we have some that think they are. but You see, that lets me know right off they're not. And they let you know that. So when you think about it, what we have really dealt with in is being perfect and perfection. Hardly anything. Hardly anything. Our understanding tonight is not perfect. Our walk with God is flawed. And all that we do and all that we deal with. And the only thing that we have that is perfect is Him. And even our understanding of Him is not perfect. It's limited in what He will allow us to see. But yet when we think about going To a perfect place, a perfect kingdom, a perfect day, with perfect people, with perfect light, perfect water, perfect health, perfect atmosphere, perfect city, and perfect symmetry, and perfect reflection, every way will be absolute, complete perfection. Can I understand that? as a mortal. I cannot. I cannot. Can I think about a day when there will never be any more pain? There'll never be anyone who's sad, who's down, who's depressed, who's weary, who's tired? Absolutely never! And we're not talking about for five seconds, we're talking about for eternity. So how can our minds, as far as our human ability of perception, be able to perceive such a thing? What we can do is ask God to help us and to be able to believe it because he said it will be. I know that we are the closest generation on the earth that has ever walked this close to the complete stage of perfection. Now, as wonderful as the millennium will be, and it will be, as holy, as pure, as blessed, but yet the millennium will not be perfect. The millennium will not end in perfection. And there will be people on the earth that will not be perfect. There will be people, if they don't come up to the house of worship, they will have to have chastisement. That is not perfection. There will people be people that will have to be rebuked according to the book of Psalms. They will be rebuked and he will rule them with a rod of iron. Any people you have to rule with such stringency is not perfection. But when we move from the seventh day into the eighth day, then we take away all of these things which we have just previously mentioned. So there'll be nobody there that'll need to be ruled with a rod of iron. There'll be nobody there that'll ever need to be corrected. Now can you imagine that? Billions of people living on the earth at the same time and nobody will ever have to be corrected about one thing. Nobody will ever have to be rebuked or chastised. Nobody will ever have to be upbraided about one thing. Neverbody, no, ever, ever, anyone have to be called off to the side and say, Now look, you've stepped out of your place, you don't need to do that again. You understand? Yes or no, I, I won't do that again. There'll never be that at all in this great place. Now come on, be honest, you're just like me. You cannot comprehend such a place. Why? Because our, our perception of perfection is so limited by what we know. And we said, oh, this was a perfect day. Oh, my, this was perfect. Isn't it amazing how many of those things that we declare perfect before the end of the day is over? We found out it only takes a few seconds to run a perfect day. It only takes one particular deal to run a perfect marriage or a perfect child or whatever you think is perfect and something absolutely ruins it and spoils it. But in this day that we are talking about of our new home, there will never be anything that will ever break this divine, absolute divine perfection of the almighty God now the seventh day in the the book of Genesis as we've read about which uh, completed the sabbatical week uh, was the week by which God is now bringing everything as we looked last week into uh, resurrection and the view of the world is changing because of the progressive work of God but yet it ends and we know that seven is a great number wonderful number perfect number but yet it is not a number which will be able to lead us in to the perfect kingdom because after seven you still have time after seven the millennium you still have the white throne judgment after the number seven you still have the sea casting up her dead you still have the earth giving up her dead so there must be another number which will go beyond seven and of course we know that number is eight Seven speaks of the old Sabbaths of the old order. Now remember God is going to tell us further on in Revelation 21 Behold I create all things new and he said the former things are passed away Now the former things is curtailing everything that is in the original creation former things will pass away and before we can ever go into that then God is going to bring us into this interval called the eighth day Now I realize there's a lot of folks think we're there now And in our souls, I believe I am. Don't you? If we by the baptism of the Holy Ghost have crossed the line, then we have already stepped out of time into eternity. But bear you well witness this, that in time itself, we are still in the seventh church age that's right now 8 has to do with, with new creation or a new order notice this in future home uh, several a lot like to read to you tonight from the future home if you don't mind notice it was also upon the 8th day the last day feast day of the tabernacle notice after that after the last feast day the last church age after the last complete 7 days upon the earth after the millennium that this holy convocation comes now whenever we're talking about the eighth day itself it cannot happen until after the millennium and the church said as far as the spiritual forerunning of the eighth day if you have the Holy Ghost tonight, not the token in your life it's already there you're already in the eighth day but your body is still captured in time your senses are in time your spirit is in time your taste smell, smell here all that it's still in time but our souls have crossed over into eternity but we know one day the earth itself will be there as well. Now notice he said that's when this holy convocation comes. Remember this is the feast of tabernacles, tabernacles, gathering places. Amen. In the millennium the Bible said they shall build houses and they shall inhabit. But in the new earth he has already went and prepared the place it's built. We have nothing to do with the building of it. Amen. Now remember that parallel also your own walk with God. You have nothing to do with the building of the gene of your soul. Glory! You have nothing to do with the building of your new birth only God can do that. That's right. Now you can certainly add to your walk, of course, in praying and so on and so on, which you should do. But it is God alone who is the author of the order of the new creation. On the eighth day, notice he said, I just love that word, a holy convocation the eighth day, which is only seven days. Then on the eighth day, which comes right back to the first day again, comes right back to the first day. The eighth day is a holy convocation. Notice again, he says, seven days only has to do with old creation. World time, seven days, that's the millennium. The rest days, God labored six days and rested the seventh. The church labors six days, 6,000 years, rest the seventh. But you're still in the time element. I ain't speaking of the eternal. But you see, there's no such thing as eight days. Well, why are we talking about it for us? There's no such thing as eight days because eight goes back to one now remember it's it dropped down out of eternity into this loop of time but he said you go back to the first day again the first day seven days watch which pass away or as I've said will change to another eight days deals with new creation see not old creation eight days is new creation so for a person who would sit here tonight and they're justified they're a Christian they've accepted the Lord and maybe they've entered into sanctification they're still in the order of the church ages in their soul. They're still in that progressive walk with God, but they've never crossed the line yet into that holy convocation into the eternal day. But for those of us who have crossed over into that eternal day, thank God for justification, thank God for sanctification, but we've actually gone farther than Luther, farther than Methodist, and let me go on and say it, farther than Pentecost, and farther than the initial stages of sin. Well, praise God. God sent a prophet if that's as far as you are you need to move over into the eternal because you've not moved past the seven branch candlestick if you're still worshiping the menorah and you're worshiping the church age messenger well you need to get the holy ghost that's right. Now, so the number eight then speaks of new creation, which God alone is the only one that can do. For it was on the eighth day that our Lord raised from the dead. There's your holy, the other convocation, the holiness, not considering the Sabbaths at all or the feast of tabernacles, feast of this and the feast of Pentecost. Jesus raised from the dead for our justification on the eighth day. After the seven Sabbaths or the seven days, seven church ages, Jesus raised from the dead. Now notice here he places Jesus in the type of raising from the dead after the, what was it? The first day of the week, which was Sunday. So Jesus did not raise on Saturday, which is the seventh day of the week. But Jesus raised on Sunday, which goes back to the beginning of the week or the first day of the week. So this is why the disciples started going to church on Sunday all of their life They went on Saturday, but it was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that set this new order in motion And they started going to church on Sunday. Well, praise the Lord Now it's the same with us in this day that in time our bodies are still in the seventh church age and Happy Valley said it is the seventh church age that takes the rapture. We are the seventh, of course, as as Enoch and the type. But yet in our souls, we've already crossed over into eternity, into the eighth day. Waiting for our bodies, of course, to catch up. Notice in paragraph 225, so you've done past through time and dropped into eternity again. You have passed through time and dropped into eternity. Now tell me how you've done that. And tell me what you had to do in it in that you passed through time and dropped into eternity. So somebody got a hold of you and passed you through time and actually dropped you. (laughs) Oh, pray. Somebody got a hold of you and passed you through time and dropped you into eternity. And there's only one person that specializes in passing and dropping, and that's the Almighty you can't pass yourself through time and you cannot drop yourself into eternity only our Lord God can pass us through time and drop our souls into eternity and if you're there my brother sister you cannot die any more than God can die and God cannot lose you God's seal can never be broken on your life because he has dropped you into the eighth day Glory. Notice, so you've done pass through time and dropped into eternity again. Not keeping of days, keeping of Sabbaths and new moons, praise God, and things like that. But it's passed, changed your form. Not annihilated glory, but passed from death unto life eternal. Oh, what the Bible does teach us. See, pass from one to another oh don't you love him notice he says then the eighth day Jesus raised for our justification the eternal king with the eternal kingdom to be baptized into eternal life not seven days had nothing to do with any of the days it's speaking of another eternal coming speaking of an eternal time the world that I'm speaking of oh thank God that's why in the middle of hell you can have peace in the time of trouble you can have joy when everybody around you is going absolutely insane and sometimes you feel like you're, you are alright come on now you know the trouble the distress and all the heartache and things that we deal with and lay it aside but what is it that keeps our anchor straight on the promise of the word it's the tie posts in the soul Notice he said 50 days or seven Sabbaths from there again There come another holy convocation what happened the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost on the seventh day Or he corrected himself and said or the eighth day rather on the eighth day fell on the eighth day Seven Sabbaths later. So what was it the feast of Pentecost which was 50 50 days after Passover? Then on the eighth day come the baptism of the Holy Ghost Exactly after his resurrection, so it'd be seven times that again bring it right back around to the first day of the week again there's your holy convocation not having anything to do with literal things it's beyond that instead the kingdom of God was eternal life with the predestinated that never did start it never started on any day I hope somebody come to have church tonight you wasn't saved on any day you was always saved well, can anybody here tonight say amen today? You wouldn't, but oh, Brother Donnie, I remember the day. No, what you remember is what happened to you in time. But way back before you ever went to that altar, before you ever went up and said, pray for me, brother. God got a hold of you and all you've done was broke into the realm of eternity where you was all along, but you just recognize it on a certain day. Oh, I know this choked some of the message folks today, but I can't, I can't help it. It's what he said. You wasn't saved on any day. I may believe it. You was always saved. Amen. Jesus just come to redeem that, but you were saved from the beginning because you had eternal life to begin with. Oh, praise the Lord. Remember, Brother Don was born lost, of course you was. Lost is only a temporary condition that a seed finds himself in. Saved is what you was before you was ever lost. Lost is only a temporary status that every seed of God finds himself when they come into this world. But before you was lost, you was his. Before you was ever born into this world, you was a part of the attributes of God's thinking. Amen. Notice and we live through all these types in here. But when you hit the eights, you go on into eternity. You don't come by laws and rituals and orders. Praise God. You come by predestination amen there is a genuine holy convocation we're ending the seventh church age church age the pentecostal age do you see it? notice he says we're ending it ending. We're entering that holy convocation. We're entering into that real genuine eternity where the church is called not to some station some denomination but into eternity with her eternal king. See we don't have oh my we don't have it at all. No such a thing as days and things and time. You passed into eternity where you come from. You was there to begin with. But Brother Donnie, I don't remember it. Of course you don't. Do you remember being in your mother's womb? Do you remember being in your father's loins? But because you don't remember, does that mean you was not there? Praise be to God. Well, which way did the devil go out? Which window was there? Did he make a new one? (laughs) Oh my, listen to this. So you were made for an eternal purpose because you was the manifestation of an attribute that was in God that thought of you and expressed you. He made an earth to take you out of. Do you understand one of the reasons God loves the earth so much? It was like a sandbox to God. It was like a a can of Play-Doh. It was like molding clay. God needed a place to take his children from. God needed a place of chemistry on earth where he could take his own body from. He made the earth to take you out of. He made the earth. Oh, I wish you could grab that tonight. He made the earth to take you out of. You're not made for the earth. The earth was made to give you eyes and give you hair and give you hydrogen and oxygen and potassium and all these things he made the earth to take you out of praise be to God he made an earth to take you out of to make you a human being and sin come along and perverted his way you come anyhow you was lost with the world So he come and redeems you, the express attribute, and also redeems the earth by the same way. That's the way he says it when he says this right here. Redeems earth the same way. By this time he's getting plumb excited in the message. He's feeling religious. Praise be to God. Notice, so he come and redeems you, the express attribute, and also redeems the earth the same way. Then his purpose rolls on. See, oh, hallelujah. Oh, that does me so much good. I don't understand what makes folks mad. I don't understand why message folks get so bent out of shape when they hear a preacher read some of these quotes I just read to you tonight. They get red in the face. Their blood pressure goes up, then goes down, then bottoms out, and then they get all angry. I don't understand what it made me and Brother Brown feel so good. Anybody else in here makes you feel good? Now we come... To the end. First Corinthians 15, 24. Then cometh the end. The end of this has been talked about since the beginning. And we talk about the end of this and the end of that and the end of this. But many things will receive the end, it's not really actually the end. It's only the end of that book. It's only the end of that phase of your life, but it continues on. But now we're actually coming to the end. The end will be terminated. The end will come to its full course in time when the mediatorial kingdom is changed into the divine kingdom. Now notice, when the attribute out of God's own heart, which was him condensing in the form of sonship, In order to become a human. And to become tangible. Notice Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.24. Then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom. To God. The rapture is not the end. The millennium is not the end. The white throne judgment. It's coming up to it, but it's still not the end. The end will be the Lord Jesus, listen now, the Lord Jesus moving out of the mediatorial kingdom back into the divine kingdom which he had with the invisible father before the world ever began. Not two gods now. The attribute under the mediatorial kingdom now phasing back into the realm of the eternal, and there on the throne will be the embodiment of the Lamb and the Father hanging over that body. This is the end. Now, listen the end then cometh. the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power now the word actually denotes properly here a limit, the word end a limit or a termination or a completion of a work so when the Lord Jesus has completed the millennium That's still not the end yet. When he has completed the millennium and then we go into the white throne judgment, what's he doing? Each one of these is a phase of the end. But that is not the end yet even when he casts the devil into the lake of fire. When the lost are cast into the lake of fire. The end of time will be when our beloved Lord, whenever he turns the kingdom back over to the eternal spirit. Well, blessed be the Lord God. Notice then we end the mediatorial work. In the millennium, the mediatorial kingdom is still going on. There will be people that will be born that will give their heart to the Lord Jesus, and they will serve under that dominion. At the white throne, those whose names are in the book of life, they will be judged, and if they've done good things, and they've lived a good life, and they've been kind to the brethren, guess what? They'll come right in according to those things written in the book. But you've still got this kingdom that must be turned over unto the eternal. Mm. So the kingdom of the saints, blessed be the Lord, the whole church, the general assembly of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, the divine kingdom shall have no end, but the mediatorial kingdom does. Now it's the same God all the time. Don't get in your mind it's two two different people because according to what Isaiah said about the Lord Jesus, of his kingdom there shall be no end. According to Daniel, of his kingdom there shall be no end. But he didn't say there wouldn't be an end of an attribute in him which served this divine purpose and when it was fulfilled, then it goes from the end back to the beginning. (laughs) Notice then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule. Notice now, he shall have put down all rule. So in the millennium, at the white throne judgment, Satan, fallen angels, all rule. Everything will be subject unto the embodiment of God in the Lord Jesus. Then he can say all power. All authority, all rule is made subject unto me. Then he turns the kingdom back over to the invisible. Woo, some of y'all look at me like I'm from another planet. Now, what's verse 25? How Paul goes further with this. He said, For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Now, does that mean one day then the Lord Jesus will stop reigning? No, no, but he must reign in this mediatorial attribute. Amen. There'll be no need for it in the perfect kingdom. There'll be no need for the mediatorial kingdom at all. Everybody there will be perfect. The power of God will not be brought subject just great, oh, to the great immortal, invisible, only wise God. God condescend in the form of sonship of God in a man. Christ Jesus, through that man, God conquered every devil out of hell. Every sickness, every disease, every enemy of hell will be conquered under the reign of this man. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And when he has done that, oh my, he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he saith, all things are put under him. It is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, this then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. <laughs> well, brother, Donny, where's the Lord Jesus going to be? Same place.
0: What what, what, what
1: are we going to look at, Lord Jesus? Oh, where's God going to be? Right above Him. Oh, what's the Lord Jesus going to be? King, the Eternal, and the Father hanging over Him, that great Shekinah, Shekinah of God, Shekinah, that Father God, remember God is not a man. God is not a human being like an old man, but he is that invisible, immortal, only wise God. And what is the Lord Jesus? The embodiment of that God in a human form that we can touch. Notice this in the future home, the prophet said, there you are, there's the paradises of God, the light of the world, that perfect kingdom, not the seventh day, the eternal one, not the millennium, the new earth. Question answer 64 on top of Mount Zion will set the lamb And the city will have no need for the light, for the Lamb is the light thereof. And above the Lamb will be the Father, which is the Logos. God, the great light, that eternal light that will shine just above the throne. And Jesus will not be on his Father's throne. He'll be on his throne. Oh, glory to God. And the Father will hover over the Son, which the Father and Son will be one. And while they are yet speaking, I'll answer before they can think. I'm thinking for them. That's right. And Jesus will commit a perfect kingdom, a perfect age, the perfect living God that he has redeemed and give over to the Father. Jesus, notice... Jesus will be sitting on the throne and you will be the Shekinah, This great life, this great being, the eternal. Glory to God. There'll be no, no need of anyone crying and praying for healing and, and, and salvation and deliverance and oh God, I'm depressed. No, that kingdom has lived out. It can only be peace. Depression will be defeated. It'll be in hell. Cigarette-smoking devils be in hell. Alcohol devils be in hell. Death be in hell. Malachi fire. Come on, saints. And when every enemy is brought subject, then the Lord Jesus, hallelujah, he can turn over the mediatorial kingdom and walk in there and sit on his throne. No more at the Father's right hand as it was, a mediator between God and man. But he can say, this is what I wanted for you from eternity. Oh Lord God, the perfect living God that he has redeemed to give over to the Father, is that right? We'll turn to God the Father, which is spirit, not man, but spirit, all nature of goodness gathered together. That's God. And in goodness, now only perverted from good is evil. That's Satan kingdom. All good belongs to God. All evil, of course, and all bones of the devil. And then God became material in a man called Jesus Christ, which was his son. This son gave his life that he might bring other sons. That God might become tangible. Working all in all in that day, you will know that I'm in the Father. The Father in me, I and you, and you and me. Notice now, John, Revelation 21:1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now it doesn't mean there's not any more water. But it's sea is the way that we know it. It has a divine arrangement which will change in the way. It affects the earth and the climate of the earth. If you study the oceans and the way the trade winds blow, and you understand how that, you know, years and many, many centuries ago when they finally found that there was winds by which they could travel around the earth, knowing the way that the earth span, would spin around. But they believed that once man found the way the ocean currents moved and the trade winds, They felt like the trade winds at that time only blew in one direction. And then if a man left Spain or if he left Portugal or if he left England, that the spin of the earth would only allow the man to go one way until they found there was trade winds that blew back the other way. Amen. And then if you study it, you know that the vapor will rise from the ocean, now, It's amazing to me how it works, that many of the storms and the things that even come across our United States, for those who come from the West and come across, many of them of course come from the Gulf of Mexico, and yet it's salt water, and it will evaporate, go up and form clouds, and yet whenever it rains, it don't rain salt water. How is it that it's pulled up out of the ocean salt water? It's pulled up into the clouds, and God had His own bottle water. Coligan ain't got nothing on God, brother sister and God can run into them clouds and yet it drips back down and it's not salt water, oh my. But yet in the new earth there will not be storms so we will not need for the seas to be there in order to be able to produce the thermals and the currents by which the evaporation will rise and cause the land mass to be watered down. But it will go back to God's original way of irrigation on the earth, oh my. But there will be lakes and streams and rivers more than likely probably even large bodies of water. But remember John when he writes this, he is on an island. He is on the Isle of Patmos. All John knew his entire life living in and around the country of Israel was the Mediterranean Sea. Which would bring in storms and bring in all types of things. And the Sea of Galilee as well. And when John looks and he's overwhelmed by it because he said there was no more sea. I saw no more sea. But yet God will have the water upon the earth in the right way that it should be. Notice then John said, "I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem from coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her heaven." Her husband rather, "The eternal city is not just the home of the bride, it is the bride." And he said again, "The eternal city is not just the home of the bride." It is the bride. The mystery of the bride's redemption and her identity lays in this city. Now, will it be a literal city? Of course, it will be a literal city. We know that. But yet, what John sees is a parallel because we'll find out here shortly that one of the angels that had the seven vials come and said, Come and I'll show you the Lamb's wife. Oh, my. So whenever he does, what does he see? He sees the city. I mean, know oh, that a woman is identified that way. Now, notice in verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying. Now, notice after this, he says, I heard a great voice. And the word great is mega. This is where we get the, the word megabyte megaphone mega so John hears a mega voice so it must have been a voice that was louder uh, different than the other voices because he says I heard listen to this a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men so here John hears a mega voice so it is the presence of God coming from the very throne of God now making this announcement that you're truly entering into the each day because God is fixing to come down and walk with people he's not going to come and go as he did in the Old Testament he's not going to come and go as he did in the New Testament but he's going to come on the earth and God will be with us forever but God is going to dwell notice he says notice this I love this I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God with men but what tabernacle is this There's no temple, there's no church. So what's the tabernacle of God? You should know the Lord Jesus. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Remember when he was on the earth now, he was fulfilling the part of sonship under mediatorial work in the millennium. Oh, it was a great embodiment. Yes, a great work of God. But now it can be said fully, the tabernacle of God is going to be with men. Who is it? The very Lord Jesus himself. The tabernacle of God was with men and he, notice, John wasn't a Trinitarian. Didn't say tabernacles. Tabernacle of God, not tabernacles of the gods. Amen. He will dwell with them, not they, but he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you Father. God will be with them, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, and be their God. Can you imagine? He will be their God, and God is going to do some marvelous things when He comes down. Oh, my, the tabernacle of God is with men. And the illusion, of course, of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the Shekinah of God being inside of there, also the, the, the temple that Solomon built, but now it, this one cannot be torn down. When he was here upon the earth. He was crucified. He was beaten. He was ridiculed and like that. And once again, the tabernacle of God seemingly was torn down. And God raised up a spiritual tabernacle in the, in the book of Acts, baptism of the Holy Ghost church. Then this time, what happened to them? They also were torn down, fed the lions, all kinds of things. But now God says, I'm building a house, and this house will never leave the earth. I'm building a house. The tabernacle of God is gonna be with men. What is it? The personal presence of El Shaddai. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Emmanuel in the old my coming from the Old Testament to the new. Wasn't that wonderful? Emmanuel, God with us. But the attribute of Emmanuel, let him come and leave. This one won't let me rush up here a little bit. Verse four. So God, what are you going to do? For the first time you've ever been allowed on earth like this, what are you going to do? And God shall wipe away all tears. Their eyes. So apparently these were a crying people. Of all the great things, but the chair, I mean he's fixing to describe the city, he's fixing to tell us how big it is, he's fixing to tell us the jasper and the sardonic stone and all these great things. But before he goes into that, he goes into this. God will wipe. All tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things who are passed away. Well, let's take this first attribute. He'll wipe away all tears. Book of Esther chapter 8 verse 3, and Esther spake it again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. The first one to ever shed tears, of course, we know was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden as their tears ran out of their eyes from the judgment of God. Adam being taller than her and his tears run down and she being a little bit shorter and her, her head bending over and the prophet said his tears and hers mixed together as they come down and run down the garbage and mix with the blood of the lamb. But tears, truly tears can be a sign of happiness but for the most part most of our tears are sadness, heaviness, Diagnosis from a doctor. A beloved family member is diagnosed with a terrible disease. A family member killed in an automobile accident. Maybe even a pet, an animal that you love. And because it's so close to you, it will bring tears to your eyes. Getting snowed out in the wintertime and can't have church. That's only those of you that love church now, the rest of you can't relate. So there's so many expressions by which we as mortals have had our eyes filled with tears. Oh Lord. Notice in Job 16, 20, he said, my friends scorn me, but mine eye pours out tears unto God. Psalm 6, 6, I am weary with my groaning all the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. This, this is a man, remember, who was after God's own heart, but he wasn't just a shouter. David was a crier. And David had a lot of issues that come his way, and all of it was, of course, him not being innocent. David had his faults, and David had his shortcomings. But yet David had many enemies and no doubt he suffered many things that he was innocent of. But David experienced so much tears that he actually cried and cried until he had wet his couch with tears. So tears are an expression of regret, an expression of remorse, an expression of sadness, of sorrow, an expression of someone hurting us. Someone letting us down. You parents know what it's like sometimes when your children do things. And you say, I can't believe she'd do that. I cannot believe he'd do that to me. I just cannot believe that they would do that. After all that I've done for them, if they would turn this and do that. Or friends or love. don't you understand what I'm saying? And then what do we do many times? We cry and it, it, it turns something inside of our heart. And God understands we are a people of tears. And God says one thing I want to let you know. One of the first things I'm going to do is wipe away all tears and you'll never cry again. Heaven wouldn't be heaven with crying people. Now, as I said, crying is not always bad. Carol, my wife's a crier. She's not a great shouter. You know, she don't jump about, maybe like some of y'all do, but she cries a lot in church. And I uh, just say, you know, it's just the way it is. Brother Darrell's a crier. You know how Brother Darrell is? He's a crier and he's, he's sensitive and been, been with him a lot and spent a lot of time with him. And he's a crier. And, and, and you know, many people are criers and yet some aren't criers so much, but yet it brings them to where that we release these tears. But God knows for the most part these tears are a sign of heaviness and sadness notice in Psalms 126 5 they that sow in tears shall reap in joy Isaiah 25 8 he will swallow up death and victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all the earth for the Lord hath spoken it Jeremiah 9 1 Oh that my head were waters And mine eyes a fountain of tears Now remember Jeremiah was considered to be the weeping prophet Because he saw so much of the sin of Israel And he had to speak against them in such a harsh way And it broke his heart And people laughed at him and ridiculed him He was so misunderstood Oh he cried and he cried and he cried And the book of Lamentations Of course written outside the city of Jerusalem Five miles out in a cave And there as he begins to weep and cry even more And entitles this book The book of Lamentations And God said how can heaven be heaven If my people are sitting around crying how can heaven be heaven if my people are sad and sorrowful there will not be any handkerchiefs in heaven there will be no need of kleenexes in heaven there will be no need nobody will ever sniffle or cry again praise God. praise God praise God notice in Luke seven thirty-eight, and stood at his feet behind him here they come a woman and crying in a different way. She stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. Amen. And did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. But in the perfect paradise, there'll be no sinners repenting. Everybody's saved and all the rest of the sinners that turned it down, well, they're done for God about anyway. Acts 20 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Hebrews 5, 7 It's one thing when men cry but it's another thing when God in the form of man. Christ. Who in the days of his flesh. When he had offered up prayers and supplications. With strong crying. And tears. Unto him that was able. To save him from death. And was heard. In. That he. Feared. Feared. The Lord Jesus felt fear. He was afraid of death. Come on. He did not want to die. And he cried. With strong supplication. It wasn't just, now Father, if it'd be okay. He, he didn't pray like some of us do at night. And we're laying down the last few minutes of, before we go to sleep. And then we're sleeping one minute and snoring the next. Jesus was in supplication. Jesus was in the depths of sincerity. And he was crying. He he can understand, friends, what it means to shed tears. And he understands how it feels when your eyes are left burning. He can understand the tugging of your heart. He can understand when your heart is broken for whatever cause. And he said, no more. John, before you tell them how big the city is, before you tell them what it's made out of, tell them what won't be there. Amen. Amen. Tell them, I'll wipe, wipe away all tears. That's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. Praise God. The banishment of tears is only an act to be performed by divinity. Now we as people sometimes don't want other folks to know when we cry. Men have a real hard time wanting anybody to know that they cry because they want to act so macho, like they're so tough. You ain't no tougher than God was. God in the form of Jesus cried. Come on, big boy, shed your tears. Right? But he wants us to know. I understand. Go ahead. Paul cried. Jesus cried. Great men have cried. and oh my we might hold it back. But we cannot banish the need, the feel, the urgency to cry. But God says let them know. I'm not only going to wipe them away. I will take every cause away that would ever make them feel they need to cry. Only God, only God can do such a thing. (laughs) Oh, praise God. He doesn't send a ministering angel to comfort you and hand everybody handkerchiefs. Notice who's doing this. He says, I... The same God that delivered you from sin is going to show you so much personal care. He will come to you as an individual and He will wipe the last tears from your eyes and do away with the tear ducts, dry them up or you won't need them no more. I don't know what He'll do, but He'll do something, brother Frank, that we will never shed another tear. And He said, John, let him know it ain't going to be the pastor that's going to do it. It ain't going to be the deacons that's going to do it, but let him know I,
0: I, I, We'll do it.
2: <clears throat> Glory be to God.
1: And God shall wipe all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death nor sorrow. No crying. Praise God. Amen. Friends, if there ain't even no streets of gold, if it's all Kentucky bluegrass, you know what? If it's blacktop, if there ain't none of this, it sounds like heaven to me. No more pain. No more suffering, no more sorrow, no more difficulty of life. God, don't you understand? Why, why would God say this? Because He knows by the same. We can relate better to what's not there than we can to what is there come on say amen we can relate we can say oh my that's what caused me so much problem my humanity my sorrow my pain my weaknesses my suffering you mean all of that won't be there well John go ahead and tell them that'll make them shout that'll make them rejoice just to let them know what won't be there praise be to God and God shall wipe all tears from their eyes and there shall be There'll never be one spade ever set down into the earth to dig out a grave. There'll be no funeral homes. I'm not saying there won't be funeral directors there, but they will be out of work. <laughs> There'll be doctors there too, but they'll be into singing there, not doctoring. Yeah. Praise God. What, what family here, what individual here has not been affected by this? Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your wife, your child. Death. All of us are affected by it. And eventually, unless God in his mercy calls us out of the body change, it will take every last one of us. But God says, let them know, John, here, nobody will pass away. There will be no more death. (laughs) Death is a commonality to all races, all creeds, all colors. The black folks lose loved ones. The white folks, the Chinese, the Japanese. We all are common ancestors when it comes to death. But God says there,
2: there will be no
1: death. Listen us God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. <coughs> there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow. Nor crying. Neither shall there be. Any more pain. And God. God said John just, just go ahead and put it this way. Tell them All. The former things have passed away. So all the former things that you've known, that you've struggled with, that you've wrestled against,
2: they're all gone.
1: Praise God. Yep. That sounds like home to me. Can any all relate to walls of jasper, streets of gold, walls two hundred and sixteen feet tall, amethyst, chalcedony, all these these beautiful gems and and, and treasures, and, and the gates the gates themselves being one gigantic created pearl. I can't relate to that. I, I, how, how can I relate? To any such things, but no more pain. I mean, he's had pain in your life. Go ahead and put both of them up—both legs, ears, everything. Pain. And as you get older, it becomes a more common friend. Or oh, you don't like it, but it might as well be your friend. You know it every day. Is that right? And you hate it, and you dislike it. What is it about it? What? Why? Why? God said, "Let them know, John." There'll be no more pain. Now, this is not just pain in the body, but it's also psychological pain—things yeah. that cause us to suffer emotionally and distress, and we lose friends and we break up relationships. Oh my! Sometimes that pain can be just as severe as a pain in your body because it weighs in your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. But there'll be no more of that. Amen. Praise oh. God. Who's yeah. Lord Jesus if these were not your words we would struggle in trying to believe such a utopian paradise could exist Lord since children one well, of the first things all of us started doing was crying we cried before we walked We cried, if we were normal, with our vocal cords and so on. We cried before we talked. We cried before we could even see clearly. We cried before we knew who mama was, daddy was, who we were. We come into the world in pain. And for many of us, we'll leave it the same way. The doctor, the midwife grabs us and spanks us and we start crying. Then we cry when we're hungry. We cry when our diaper's wet. We cry when we want mama. We cry when we wake up in the middle of the night in the cradle and we're afraid and alone. We cry when a girl breaks her heart or a boy. We cry when a loved one, Lord, we cry, we cry, we cry, we cry. Lord oh, Jesus, how we long for the day when we'll never cry again. Praise God. The mediatorial kingdom will have been completed. Oh, I'm so glad, Lord, when you come to the earth, you walked on water. It showed me how mighty you were. I'm glad you raised the dead. I'm glad you opened the blinded eyes. But I'm so glad you cried. I'm so glad you cried. I'm so glad that you allowed yourself to. To feel human fear, so when we do, you know how it is, Lord, is sometimes as hard as we try, as hard as we try, to not be afraid. When we hear certain things, a doctor's report, or some something, fear just comes over us as humans, and we try our hardest, we try our hardest, not to feel it. We try our hardest to have faith, and to say, "I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid." But yet inside we're trembling. We really are. But thank you for feeling fear. So when I feel it, you understand. When I grab the sword and you tell me to preach something that I really don't want to preach, that I know is going to get me in trouble, and I feel afraid, or they look at me and they think, oh my, he ain't afraid of nothing. They don't know. (laughs) They don't know how I'm feeling but I'm so glad you don't get mad at me when I say, Lord, please don't make me say that. Please let somebody else say that. Lord, please not me. Lord, maybe even thinking of death, that we'd come up close and we'd say, oh my, oh my, here it comes, here it comes. But Lord, you understand because you feared and you cried and you wept. And it caused you to understand. For it became you. It became you to cry. It became you to fear. It became you to feel heaviness and sorrow. Praise God. Who better than to wipe away our tears than not the eternal which has never cried Not the eternal which is never feared, but the Logos becoming tangible. One who cried himself. And there you will stand in your same body. Glory to God that you cried in. Hallelujah! That same human body that you cried in. That same human body that you felt fear in. But you raised that same human body and changed it. And that glorified body will take those precious fingers and wipe the final tears out of our eyes. How perfect. How perfect. For one who cried himself to remove all tears. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord. Thank you, blessed God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't you love him, saints? Amen. Aren't you glad he understands you? Amen. Aren't you glad when you get afraid? Now, come on, how many be honest and say tonight, oh, uh, I, I get fearful sometimes, Brother Donnie, I don't want to, but I do. I love the Lord. You ever been there? Well, of course you have. You feel that? You, don't you hate it? Don't you hate it when you feel human fear? Don't you hate it when you feel human anxiety and things that... Yeah, you know, I, 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 this is not becoming to me, and it's not. That eighth day part of you, it's not. But this human part, it's got such a grip on you. It's the unknown, it's the uncertainty of the future we, we don't know about, and we become so nervous and worried. Aren't you glad we've got a high priest that's been there and done that? Can you imagine if the Eternal was your priest and the first time you feared Say said, what's the matter with you, Dave Johnson? You question my words. You doubt my word. But you've got a high priest
2: that felt fear, felt tears. Praise God.
1: Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord God. Oh, we worship you with all of our hearts, Father. Can we just worship him a little bit? Oh, it's Saturday night. My folks at the ball games and wherever more that they're at tonight, they're just getting wound up. Let's just take a little time to love him, can we? Think of it now, friends. This is not a story that's made up in somebody's mind. We are fixing to experience this before long. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, I wish we could go tonight. Amen. Lord, the only reason that we wouldn't want to just leave this world is because we've got friends and loved ones, dear God, that's not in, maybe backslid. God, we pray for your mercy. Bring all those in. Dear God, there's on the book. Grant it, Father. Be merciful while the door of mercy is still open, we pray, Lord Jesus. Have mercy, O oh God, we ask. Grant it, Father. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Until that day comes, my Father, I will shout when I feel like shouting. I will jump when I feel like jumping. But Lord, there's times I don't feel like jumping. I don't feel like shouting. But I feel like crying. And Lord, in your presence, many times when I cry... I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm overwhelmed with your greatness. And you're humbling us, Lord. Thank you we can still cry, dear God. We're living in a cold age and people have shut down on you. But thank you, Father, we can still be moved to tears in the presence of Almighty God. We worship you now, Lord Jesus. Sing something for us here. Can we just worship him a little bit now, saints? I know the song we're fixing to sing ain't gonna be perfect. And as much as we all love Harry, good singer, great musician, great musicians here, Harry ain't never sung a perfect song. One day we'll hear him sing a perfect one. All these brothers that play perfect songs are in heaven. But if he did sing a perfect one, y'all wouldn't fit him, cause you wouldn't match it. We'll never be able to worship perfectly. You'll hold your arms up as long as you can. I'll tell you what'll happen before you do it. Your arms will get tired. And you'll have to put them down. While the blood flow, you're raising them above your heart. And your heart's pumping, pumping, pumping you in a giraffe. So you don't have those valves in your neck to make where you can hold it up like that. So your hands are going to get tired. And you'll have to lower them down so the blood can flow back again. And then you'll put your hands back up again. It's not perfect worship. And you'll stand here and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But your legs are going to hurt. And you get tired and say, reckon Brother Donnie's getting about done. or you won't say it. You'll be nice. You'll be courteous. But you'll get tired after a bit. Right? But what's amazing is he takes all of that with all the flaws and our aches and our pains and and all that. And oh, he just loves it. He just basks in that as we worship. And angels are there and been praising him in perfection for millennia, for millennia. And yet he loves to hear your praise more than he does sinless cherubims. Can you imagine? Because it's the songs and the worship from the redeemed. Can we sing and worship him just a little bit before we go? What's on your heart, Harry?
0: Thank you, Lord Jesus. That sounds like home to me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Like where I want to be. Thank you, Jesus. There will be no tears. No tears. To fill our eyes again. will echo with the story as we sing of His grace and glory. To sing yes, Lord. God will be Thank you, Father. that sound like all to
1: me. Let's sing the first verse together, shall we? Somewhere, somewhere just Across the Jordan River There's a place of everlasting joy and peace Thank you, Lord
0: The tree of life is blue. I'm
1: Lord Jesus they say there's mansions there inside the city a crystal river flowing by the tree of life listen now no
0: pain or disappointment I Cry-
1: Can you imagine, friends, even the singing there will be different. Nobody will ever sing a song of encouragement. Nobody will ever sing a song of, in the valley, He restores my soul. Nobody will ever get up low and sad, sing a song of, I'm so weary, I lay my burdens down. Praise God if we do rest at night, you know, however that will be if we do rest. We'll never get up tired. We'll never sit down in a chair and say, man, my back's killing me. I am so wore out. Can I relate to that? I have to be honest, no. But I believe it. I believe it. Don't you want to go? With all your heart. Well, let's pick it up a little bit, Harry. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? There'll be no sickness in that land. There'll be no sickness in that land.
2: To that land where I'm bound. Sing it again tonight. Well, to don't you wanna go to that land? Don't you wanna go to that land? Don't you wanna go to that land? Where? you want to go to that land don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound remember the service in the morning sing it as you go to that land don't you want to go to that land don't you want to that land? Don't you wanna go to that land where I'm you wanna go to that land? Don't you wanna go to that land where I'm by? Be no sickness in that land. Be no sickness in that land. Be no sickness in that land. Yeah. Mm-hmm.